Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Well, friends, this happens on a rare, rare occasion. Our recording this morning did not work. I, yep, it, we have no recording from YouTube or Facebook or even in the room, no recording. I, I at first was tempted to spiritualize it. You know, we could call it spiritual warfare. Maybe the sermon was that good that it shouldn't be spread, or perhaps the sermon was such a flop that God wanted to protect you. Regardless, we're going to share a couple ideas and segments from the sermon this morning with you for you to process this week as most of you all are on spring break or you're at South By or you just slept in because it was daylight savings and one hour did you in. Well, regardless, I'm really excited about this week because we're talking about embodied spirituality. To be honest, I've never spent time thinking about embodied spirituality. I don't even know if that phrase meant something to me more than three months ago, Uh, but that's what we're talking about today. As a part of this series, Soul Care, we are three weeks into it. First week, we had an introduction to the soul. Last week, we explored a slowed down spirituality and talked about uh, what does it mean to keep Sabbath. And this week, we're going to bring our bodies into this discussion. This is a tricky subject, though, because many of us have a complex relationship with our bodies, from unfortunate messages that we've been taught about our bodies to our bodies not working like we would hope, to to image obsession that we have in our culture or just chronic illness, I think a conversation about our bodies can be tricky waters. Some may even ask, why are we talking about our bodies? I thought this was soul care. Even that idea reveals something that I think is misleading us within the Christian circle. We cannot divide the body from the soul. They are companions for one another in this journey that we have in life. Even as we go through the series, I've been really careful to try to avoid a trap of thinking that oftentimes that we can fall prey to, to think about body and soul is very separate. Even I've heard this, this saying within churches, maybe even said it myself, this is the saying, this is the idea. We don't have a soul. We are a soul. We have a body. So that idea of like valuing our souls and denigrating our bodies is something that we just simply have. But the reality is that we are a soul and we are a body. We can't sever the two. So soul care is not just metaphysical navel gazing. Our soul's health is expansive because our soul is expansive. So for us to discover true soul care, we have to learn what it means to integrate the soul and the body. You know, one of the most scandalous beliefs that we have in Orthodox Christian confessions is that Jesus of Nazareth was God in flesh, God incarnate. What does that word incarnate mean? Well, for those who love tacos, you know what carne means. Incarnation is the baffling belief that God became flesh, common, ordinary flesh, meat and bones, that this is God. We even find this paradoxical belief In the beginning of John's gospel, this is John 1, 1 and 4 and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, this time at Jesus. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. 
What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. Notice how grand Jesus is being depicted in the beginning of John's gospel, how glorious and powerful and other Jesus is in him. He was the beginning of life. Everything was created by him. He was God, was with God. It just seems so different and other and distant from us. And then 14, we find the words, And Jesus, the word, became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. In Jesus Christ, we can see God's embodied glory. That is the scandalous and difficult thing that we are to believe as Christians, as Christ followers, is that God's holy presence was not other or holy or set apart, but in Jesus we see God's presence was fully human, fully human and embodied. Uh, this can be difficult to believe. Even one of the first heresies that we have in the early church is something called docetism. Docetism was the belief that Jesus was fully divine, but Jesus wasn't fully human. He just appeared to be human. He seemed to be human. And it was this idea that we have to protect God's divinity and Jesus' holiness. There's no way that Jesus could have been marred by the embodiment of being a person. But thankfully, the early church saw the problem with that belief and called it a heresy. That's why even in early writings in the New Testament, they sought to combat this problematic belief that Jesus was not fully human. This is in 2 John chapter 1, verse 7. He says, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. <laughs> Take it easy, John, right? Why is this such a big deal? Well, if Jesus wasn't fully human... We truncate the power and the purpose of Jesus' life. If it's not seen and actualized in Jesus' experience, can it be redeemed in us? And furthermore, we can't believe that because we have to faithfully read our scripture. And we aren't allowed the fact that Jesus was nothing but fully human and divine at the same time. Jesus, a person who ate and laughed, who slept who defecated, who went through puberty. He lived the full human experience. We find this profound truth even in the way in which Jesus came to us, born from a woman. I love what uh, author Cole Arthur Riley, she wrote in her book, This Here Flesh. The story of God becoming body is only matched by God's submission to the body of a woman. That the creator of the cosmos would choose to rely on an embodied creation to be grown, fed, delivered, God put faith in a body, in Mary's muscles and hormones, bowels and breasts. And when Christ's body is broken and bloodshed, we should hold in mystery that first a woman's body was broken, her bloodshed, in order to deliver hope of the world into the world. Jesus went through the entire human experience like me and you, not only so that we could find hope in this life, but we also can learn what it means to discover our own embodied spirituality. Jesus used his embodied presence not only to care for himself, but also to serve and care for the embodiment of others. 
we find Jesus not only caring about teaching about his kingdom and teaching about the spirit and the soul, but he also spent his days feeding the hungry, caring for people's physical well-being, restoring people's body, teaching them to integrate their full being with one another in holistic restoration. Sometimes Jesus brought about healing through a word, or maybe he did so asking for someone to do an act of faith. But my favorite moments are when Jesus healed people through a touch. Like the people whom Jesus was not supposed to touch, people that were physically removed and denigrated by their own bodies, Jesus chose to, uh, to heal them through a touch. Whether it be the leper who was deemed unclean, he made it also known Uh, about the woman who was bleeding for 12 years, who lived in social disgrace. Jesus made it known that she had touched him. He was not afraid of that. And her body touching his body, his body touching the leopard, uh, brought about this healing and restoration. Person to person, soul to soul, body to body. Following in Jesus' example, soul care should seek a holistic restoration, integrating the body with the soul. You know, to be honest, this is no easy task because if, if we were to look back at our lives, if we'd look around at the different people within our community, we know that we need to deconstruct so much of how the church has taught us about our bodies. I know walking alongside many of you in our community that church taught you distorted views of your body. We were taught that the physical body was something to battle against. This was perpetuated by an unfortunate interpretation of Paul's words, even in Galatians 5, where we're taught, taught to have go at war against our flesh. This is Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh, For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. And we could just read that. We could be taught that. And a cursory reading is that the flesh is bad and the spirit is good. And if this is the case, we can have religious license to hate our body, to dishonor our flesh, and to look at with cynicism and skepticism the desires of our body. That kind of mentality has perpetuated the prevalence of purity culture that has wounded so many people's understandings of their own bodies and sexuality. We've been taught to deny our longings and our desires as something is shameful. Sexuality is something to hide, something to war against. And sadly, this teaching has been propagated mostly to women. Women within churches have been taught that their bodies cause sin and lust, and so their job is to live with modesty, to hide their bodies at all costs. While at the same time, so much of our teachings have, have, have informed women that, that their worth was their beauty that they had, which can lead easily to objectif- objectification. So think about that. Two very, very different teachings to hide their body and that their bodies are how they're valued and, and uh, their status in many ways. This teaching is soaked in patriarchy, and it's wreaked havoc upon many. This teaching has harmed our collective bodies and the female body in particular. Dishonoring the body, as we will find again and again, leads to damage and even the ripple effects of exploitation of others. Think of this. If we don't value the Imago Dei, the image of God that is bestowed upon every body in the world, then we can easily subjugate 
and devalue the bodies that we deem less important. Denigrating the body, which the church has done, has allowed the church to hold and perpetuate racist, uh, racist beliefs and practices, our ability to discard other people's bodies without believing in the image of God that marks every individual in this world. It's sad. It's something we need to repent from. And it's so far from the life of Jesus, who taught us to care for and honor the dignity of other people's bodies, especially those who are devalued and oppressed. For example, let's look at Mark chapter 3. In this story, Jesus goes into the synagogue and a man was there with a shriveled hand. And what was happening was it was the Sabbath. And so the religious leaders were watching this. They were waiting for a way to accuse Jesus because Jesus was threatening them. So they would watch him closely to see what if he would heal this man on Sabbath. And in verse 3 in Mark 3, Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. So this man stood up. Now, I personally get uncomfortable with this idea that Jesus is making this man a spectacle, like an object lesson. But the reality is, in that culture, he was already a spectacle. People in that day and age that had physical challenges were judged because not only their limitations, but it was the belief of that day that people had those challenges because of their sin. And if it wasn't their sin, then maybe their parents' sin caused their bodies to be not as valuable and worthy. And so this man was not only challenged, living with the challenges of his life, with not having a hand that was working as it, as it, a normal body would, but also the shame, the religious shame and scorn from others. So then Jesus asked them, um, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or kill? But the leaders remained silent. He looked around at these leaders And in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. The Pharisees went out and began to plot out with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. (laughs) So what do you see the religious leaders valuing in this story? What do they value most? They value rule keeping. They value spiritual correctness. Uh, They value their own position and power. And what do they not value? They don't care that this man was living with this challenge. They don't care that this man was fully restored. Here in this moment, they, they find Jesus threatening the religious system. And because of that, not only did they overlook this man's restoration, but they also, they had such disregard for the dignity of body that they're looking for a way to kill Jesus. Part of following Jesus is learning to value and fight for the dignity of all those who carry the image of God to ensure that our religious beliefs and spiritual practices aren't means of escapism. They aren't means of denigrating others, but they inform how we enter our world and care for the whole person, especially those who've been marginalized. We need to replace the shame that we've given the body with the dignity of being created in the image of God. I'm reminded of the psalmist's words in Psalm 139, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I think we should walk this world with a sense of holy reverence for our body and for others as well. 
even as our body's vulnerabilities are exposed through sickness and disabilities, we can seek to honor and respect the gift of our body regardless, not only because we find this in Scripture, but because we also follow Jesus. So, what can we do to pursue an embodied spirituality? I have just two things. First step is to care for our body. Building off last week's message about slowness and rest, God is not impressed when we wear down our bodies, deplete our resources, or abuse our bodies by the pace of life. The body's not just a shell for the soul. It's not just a carriage to, to bring our minds and our brains around. Our soul health is not dismembered spirituality. It's embodied spirituality. To be negligent of the body is to smear the image of God and distance ourselves from the embodied Savior who slept and rested and ate and cared deeply for physical health and the restoration of all. Even Paul, he sought to teach the church the important truth of what does it mean to follow Jesus with their whole selves in his letter to the church of Corinth. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who's in you? whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Just as we hold the scandalous belief that Jesus was God in flesh, now our bodies are the sacred and holy location where the Spirit of Jesus resides. Therefore, in the words of Paul, we need to learn to honor God with our bodies. I love what author and therapist Dr. Hilary McBride, what she said, she said uh, her, that our body is the only relationship that God has given us that will begin the moment that we breathe and will be with us into the moment that we pass from this life to the other. It is the relationship that we have that is a gift. And God has given this gift, our bodies, with a purpose to care for us, to look out for us, to ensure that we seek healing and wholeness. Therefore, we must learn to respect and trust the bodies that we've been given. We need to learn to be gentle with our bodies for how they imperfectly carry us, to be grateful for the parts that do work, and honor bodies of all different shapes and colors as they reflect our creative God. We begin by honoring our body. And then number two, we learn to listen to the body. After we've honored the body, then we have space now to listen to the body. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, if we've learned that the body is not something to battle against, but is a sacred companion for the soul, then we should learn that the body will let us know the state of our soul if we are willing to listen. We rest when our bodies ask for it. We give our bodies food and care when it asks. We don't oppose the body, but we listen to it and give it godly good care. But it even goes further. I'm not sure about you, but this last year I heard a phrase from all sorts of people from inside and outside the church latched onto his phrase, the body keeps the score. This became popularized by a book of the same title by a Dutch author and psychiatrist, Bessel van der Kolk. Uh, since 1970s, his research has been on the area of post-traumatic stress. And what he realized is how trauma and stress stays in the body. Even if our minds have found a way to escape it or deny it, our bodies will remind us. Our bodies keep the score. This was made apparent for me a couple years ago. At that time, our church and our leadership was going through a really, really, really hard season. We, on top of COVID and every awesome challenges that we had, navigate some social issues, we were asked to leave our denomination through less than ideal means. I'll put it that way. 
And through that process, I was visiting with a colleague and a pastor of mine, a friend of mine by the name of Jula. And we talked for a while, Jula and I talked for a while, and she wanted to make sure I was good. And as a good Enneagram 7, I promised her that nothing was robbing me of my joy. I was loving my church. I was fine. Don't worry about me. But then Jula, I think from her training as a counselor, she encouraged me as I'm walking this journey to check in on my body, to listen carefully to my body in this season. And then she asked me, can you check in with your body right now? And even though mentally I thought I was good, I looked down and I was shocked to notice that my hands were shaking. And through tears, I shared this with her and she compassionately said, Mark, I don't think you're doing as good as you think. My body was trying to lovingly call for my attention, for me to stop blowing sunshine at my pain, to feel it, to name it, to sit with it, to not run from it, to mourn with it. And I would not put what I experienced in that season as like in the realm of trauma. It was painful. It was, it was really painful. But I know there are other folks in our community that have real wounds And I know for them, the body keeps the score. I even know people in some in our church that are trying to figure out if they can do church anymore because of church trauma and church hurt, that even sitting in a worship service or sitting through prayers or worship, that it'll be physically hard for them to get through it. And what Vanderkolk, what what he would say what he discovered is that these experiences they are deeply a part of our body that they stay with us they stick around with us they can even transfer from one generation to the other so where's the hope well the author of this book in his research this what he this is what he found out and i quote trauma victims cannot recover until they become familiar with and befriend the sensations in their bodies Physical self-awareness is the first step in releasing the tyranny of the past, end quote. So what is, the, what is the process for healing? The process is not to pray it away. It's not to believe more. It's not to memorize more scripture. Part of the healing process is befriending the sensations of, in our bodies that are trying to cry out for our help. As followers of Jesus... The restoration and healing Jesus wants to bring us is not discovered by denying the body, but it's discovered when we find an embodied spirituality. When we bring our bodies into the transforming power of Jesus. So for those who were taught that the body was something to deny or ignore or devalue, I just want to tell you all, I am so sorry. So sorry that that message made its way into your mind and into your bodies. It's far from the way of Jesus. And I think even Jesus might want to meet our bodies with his body. His wounds for our wounds. Even around the communion table, as we are reminded, this is my body broken for you. We have an embodied Savior who will love us to the end. God's work is not to get you out of your body. Jesus wants to meet you within the fullness of your human experience, including your body, to care for your soul, that you could be a soul-filled person. So this week in our journal, we're going to explore different practices to bring our body into soul care. Now, friends, my favorite thing that we did this morning 
was we had a prayer experience. And I'd like to lead us in that prayer experience for you, wherever you are, whether you're on a walk or you're driving or uh, if you are in a quiet moment, I want to lead and guide you into a prayer experience that we encountered. Um, and this is this prayer experience uses our body to guide our thoughts and our minds. So right now, take a moment just to be still, to calm your mind, for you to sink into your body, to remember it's there. If you can, maybe it's helpful to close your eyes and settle into your seat. Some words from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. So take a moment now and focus on your breathing. Take one hand and place it over your chest. Notice the rise and the fall of your ribs. take a deeper breath right now. Breathe in more deeply and consider the capacity that you have in you to receive more from God. This gift, this breath of life. We're reminded that the Hebrew word ruah doesn't just mean breath, it also means spirit. As you breathe, consider the Spirit of God which breathes through us and in us. And all the air that's around you right now that's available for you is just like God's presence that surrounds you, that's accessible. Take a moment now and thank God for your lungs, your ability to breathe. Place your hands over the center of your chest, over your heart. See if you can sense your heartbeat, this beating rhythm deep within your being. Without knowing it, it sustains your life. This rhythmically contracting muscle never tires. It doesn't stop from birth to death just quietly keeping you alive. Spend a moment and thank God for your heart. Now look at your hands. Notice the wrinkles and the grooves Consider your hands as a young child or a baby reaching out, 
clasping on to the finger of a loved one. Consider what gifts your hands have held. Consider the gifts that your hands have around your life now. The people your hands can embrace Study your hands and how they have aged and changed. Spend a moment and express gratitude to God for your hands. Lord Jesus, may you teach us to honor our bodies. May we take the time to breathe and stretch and be still. May we understand the deeper truths of our bodies are telling us as they care for us, asking for us for rest and discipline or play, the different places that where we need healing. May our bodies remind us that the divine Jesus Christ dwells here. God is with us and in us, among us, around us. Even as the earth groans, even in these times of collective chaos, we thank you, Jesus, our embodied Savior, who has taught us to care for our souls. We pray that you would teach us, gentle Christ, to learn how to step into our power as soul-filled people and teach us how to take our bodies with us. We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about The Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to The Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.